Well, praise the Lord. I, I felt like I got to read Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Isn't that good? Anybody need new strength? today, tonight, today. I'm so glad you're at church. I just have a feeling God's going to move in a special way. Welcome those of you who are online. So glad you're a part of this service. Uh, let's pray, guys. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you're, you're so good. And you're better than us. <laughs> your goodness is better than our goodness. Your mercy, your compassion is better than our mercy and compassion. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for providing for us. We thank you for forgiving our sins. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you, God, that you are faithful even when we're unfaithful. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. We recognize every good thing in our life is from your hand. And now, God, I pray that you move here in a special way during this message time here, Lord. By your grace, work in me and through me. Speak to every heart, every soul, Lord. May we just hear a word from you. Holy Spirit, you're here already. Keep working, keep moving here, Lord, I pray. Thank you, God, for the week. Thank you for your grace. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, stay in the fight, and then you can have a seat. Stay in the fight. Some of you might be thinking, what fight? <laughs> so we're in this series called Impossible, and we've been looking at impossible situations. And um, one of the, uh, uh, so someone said, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you, you, you wonder what your challenges are going to be, sometimes all you have to do is look at yourself in the mirror to know the greatest challenge for today. All you have to do is say, no, okay, I have my own battles inside of me that I have to work through. And uh, we're going to be talking about an impossible situation that nobody can see. We might put on makeup or get all dressed up or throw on whatever, but inside we can be going through stuff that nobody sees. Maybe just you and God, maybe your spouse doesn't see it, your kids don't see it, your friends don't see it, but you know it's there. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 7 talks about this impossible internal battle. And uh, Paul the Apostle wrote this. And Paul, just to give you a little heads up, this was a guy who did not grow up in a Christian home. This is a guy who turned to Jesus later on. And uh, he's a Christian. And he's learning as he's walking with the Lord that there's, um, there's some battles that, that he has to face. I think, I think all of us has to face here. So Romans chapter 7, uh, verse 15, he says this, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. <laughs> Instead, I do what I, what church would I, what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, 
I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at, at what church? That is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Another version says, oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. You see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Oh, Lord, open up our eyes. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever struggled with doing the right thing? You ever struggled with uh, knowing what you should do? Can you identify with these words from Paul the Apostle? And, uh, you, you know, when you, when, you, when you try to do the right thing, uh, and especially, you know, it doesn't take very long when you turn to God, you, you discover what's right and, and what's wrong, and, and you discover, you know what, lying is not a good thing. Stealing is not a good thing. How, committing an affair is not a good thing, or cheating is not a good thing, or having these lustful thoughts are not a good thing, or whatever it is. And once you're aware of what's like a, not a good thing, and then you say, okay, I'm going to try to live a right life. And, and, and if that's your desire, I mean, you've been there before. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, you try to live that life, and then you find, like, like, like Paul said, I try to do it, but I can't do it. I try, and then I don't. And the very thing that I want to do I don't do, and the thing that I don't want to do, I hate, and I do it anyway kind of thing. And uh, I think about our relationship with God kind of like this, this ladder when we come to it, and we're like, okay, this is so cool. I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to learn about God, and I want to start living a life that's honoring to God, and I believe there's a heaven, and I believe there's a hell, and I want to please God with my life, and I just want to make better decisions. So I'm going to do this, and you're like, okay, I'm doing really well. I read my Bible this morning, and, and I did this, and then, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. And you kind of go back down. Okay, let's do this again. I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing, I'm doing really well. I'm doing great. Oh, man, I shouldn't have looked at that. No, I'm down here. Now, all right, let's try. Okay, now I'm going to try again. And I'm doing, oh, man, this is awesome. This is great. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I feel terrible. And I'm doing, oh, here we go again. This is going good. And, 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 oh, man. I, I, you know what I'm talking about? You just go up and down. That ladder. Anybody feel what I'm saying? I've heard people struggle with doing right and wrong. I don't know what that's like, guys, but I've heard about it. All of us have. All of us have. Just the other day, I said something to my wife, and, and it wasn't good. I was agitated, and I said something. Actually, I think I put it in her hand, and she felt just the way I put something in her hand, she felt my attitude. <laughs> just by the way I put it in her hand. And she said, what was that? And I said, that was my flesh right there, baby. <laughs> That's what that was. You know, I, 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 I want to confess that I don't always do the right thing. I need the grace of God. I think when we look at this, um, you know, this idea of continuing 
to fail and going up and down. I think we forget who wrote this passage. Paul, the apostle, the greatest missionary on the planet who helped spread the gospel throughout Europe. And I mean, this is a guy who's maybe the greatest preacher. This is a guy who's a Christian. That's who Paul the Apostle is. I think one of our problems is when we look at certain people in the, or many people in the scripture, we put this, you know, ST in front of their name and say, this is Saint Paul, Saint Peter. But we forget, Paul is the guy who said, oh, what a miserable man I am. I want to do the right thing, but I don't. I think when we're faced to do that, there's a point where we're ready to just give up. You know what I mean? If you, if you walk with God long enough, you will discover this internal fight. And you're tempted, like, maybe I should just give up. It's not worth it. I don't remember this fight before I came to know God. I don't remember this fight before I started going to church. I don't remember this fight before I turned to Jesus. So you know what? It's not that, you know what? I should just give up. It's like the Buffalo Bills, guys. Buffalo Bills, for those of you who are old, like over 40, you know what I'm talking about. They went to the Super Bowl. You know how many times they went to the Super Bowl? Four times. 1990, 91, 92, and 93. They lost every one of them. Back to back, four years in a row. They've never, ever lifted up the Lombardi Trophy, ever, ever. And, and in fact, their nickname became, Boy, I Love Losing Super Bowls. That's what their nickname was. Boy, and I, I look at that and I think, gosh, going up, I, I can feel like the Buffalo Bills at times, like I'm trying to do the right thing. But then there's this other part of me, the side that I don't like, that I see myself. And, and if we're honest, it's there. Paul said, I really don't understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what is hate. That's verse 15. That's for, he said, instead, I do what I, what, is, what I hate. Have you ever done things that you just hate? That you're not proud of? You know, God sees everything. But if you look in the Bible, like you, you look at just about any personality, any character in the Bible, they all struggled with something. I mean, Adam and Eve struggled with um, trusting God. There was this tree in the middle all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, and, and they thought, you know, maybe God's holding out. I think if we, take this, if we take this fruit from this tree, then we'll know good and evil, and, and all, it created a big spiritual mess. Sin entered the world because of it. Abraham struggled with God's way instead of his way. That's why he said, hey, here's, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, here's Hagar. We're, she and I will we'll shack up for the night, and maybe that's the way God's going to fulfill this plan. Jacob was known as wrestling with God. Then I think about other guys like David and Solomon, this other guy named Samson. You know what all those guys struggled with? Lust. Foreign women. <laughs> That's what they struggled with. And you can just keep going right down the line. Elijah struggled with depression. Jeremiah struggled with loneliness. And you see it over and over, and you see women struggle with self-worth or whatever it was. And, and Paul was struggling with doing the right thing. Now, let's just be real, guys. In churches, we don't talk about struggles. We don't. There's something about the church that, you know, you just, I'm not going to share 
my struggle. So I'm going to get dressed up and I'm going to look a certain way and I'm going to say the right things and I'm going to carry myself a certain way. But deep down inside, there is a battle going on. If I share it, what will they think about me? So I'm not going to share it. And what happens, guys, is that creates a lot of problems. You know, you eventually see it come out. You eventually see it come out. Choose stories, guys. I know of a bookkeeper from another church. I'm not going to tell you where. And she stole literally tens of thousands of dollars, over $100,000 from the church, and nobody knew. She eventually was found out. I know a pastor who drank all the time. Nobody knew about it. Maybe they thought they might. And eventually, he's out of ministry today. I know another one who got caught up in an affair. I know that happens. I know couples who had affairs, and, and they looked like they were okay at church, but then they made the wrong decisions. I know people who hooking up with wrong people in Tinder or whatever it is, and they're like, okay, well, I'm going to carry myself a certain way at church, but I'm going to do something else. I don't like who I am. Oh, if people saw what I thought all the time. I was at this uh, pastor's conference in St. Louis, and uh, I went with, a, with a, one of my professors when I was back in Colorado Springs and took me to this conference. And uh, I'll never forget, I had a conversation with the hotel manager at the St. Louis uh, location. And uh, I was talking to him, and there was a whole bunch of pastors there. And, and we were just talking about like uh, his, the, 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 those who stay at the hotel you know, his customers, and, and he was telling me, he told me this, he said, you know what, um, when we hold Christian conferences at this hotel, now this was a number of years ago, he said, when we hold Christian conferences at this hotel, the number of pay-per-view um, purchases with sexual content is higher than any other night. Christian conferences. And I think about that, and I thought, I think it's because there's a spiritual tension, a spiritual stress that many Christians live with. And when they mess up, many times they just mess up. It's like that guy who struggles with alcoholism, and when he, he struggles with alcoholism, and then he blows it one night, and when he, when he blows it, he just, he just you know, goes off, and he goes off on this bender, you know, if I'm going to blow it, I might as well blow it. You know what I'm talking about? That spiritual stress that people live with. And it's like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for the whole night. I'm not going to do it for a little minute. I'm just going to go off the edge and I'm going to do that. And when that happens, we can be tempted to give up. It's kind of like that, that messy car. How many of you drove in a messy car to church? How many of you have a messy car? It's just confession time right here. Now, how many of you are not aware that it's messy? Just raise your hand. <laughs> you know what? You know it's, it was messy at one point, but if you live with it long enough, it's not messy anymore. In fact, the only time you're aware that it's messy is when someone who's not used to going with you sits in your car and you see them look around your car and thinking, wow, this is really, and you're like, oh, that's right. It is a messy car. I forgot. It. It's like your messy house. I mean, you have a messy house or a messy bedroom. And it's like, you know what? I don't care until you have someone come in that's not used to the mess. And that's kind of how it is with our hearts. It's kind of how it is with our hearts. It's kind of like, have you ever bought a shirt that you thought was white? And it looked white. Maybe it was hanging. 
you know, in the department store and it was hanging by a dark colored shirt and you thought, oh, this is white. And you took it home until you had it in the light and you compared it to a true, pure white shirt. And then you look at the shirt that you bought and you thought, oh, that's not white at all. That's more of a cream color. That's off-white. That's yellow. I thought it was white because you compared it. And that's how it is with our relationship with God. God's holy. He's righteous. He's pure. And the closer we get to God, the more we recognize that we still have growth to go, that we still have to grow. We still have growth to go. And I think when it comes to like messiness and that kind of thing, and we get used to it, we can do that with our own characters, with our characters. Like, are we have flaws in our character? Like, you might have a, be a person that complains a lot. And the longer you live with it, at one point in your life, it was an issue. But you've been complaining for so long now, it's just not an issue anymore. Just not an issue. At one point, you know, in your life, the, that lying tongue used to be, but now it's just not an issue anymore. At one point in your life, you might have thought, you know what, uh, not giving or being self-centered or being greedy is an issue. But you know what? After you live with it for so long, it doesn't bother me anymore that I'm not giving. It doesn't bother me anymore that I'm not serving. It doesn't bother me anymore that I don't read the Bible. It doesn't bother me anymore that I don't tell the truth all the time. I've just lived with it. That lustful mind. At one point, it may have really bothered you, and you thought, man, I got to get right on this. But you know what? If you keep doing it every day, every day, every day, it's not going to bother you anymore. It's not going to bother you anymore. So I want you to hear this. Internal battles only happen when there's a desire to do right. It's the only time you have internal battles. When you have a desire to live a God-honoring life, you have a desire to live a life that's right, full of integrity before the eyes of God, that's when you will have internal battles. And the greater your desire, the greater battles you'll have. In fact, I've discovered this other thing too. When God has a plan for you, a big plan, many times, you don't know how big it is, but God, God is allowing battles to happen in your life. He's working on you. And that's the only time internal battles really, really happen. Let me say it like this. If there's no desire, there's no fight. If you do not have a desire to live a life of integrity before God, you don't have a desire to walk with God. You don't have a desire to read God's word. You don't have a desire to obey any commandments. You don't have a desire to be truthful. You don't have a desire to be, guess what? There's no fight within you. You have no idea what I'm talking about. There's no fight within you. The fight is only there if the desire is there. That's the only time there's a fight. That's the only time. Paul said this, and I'm going to read the NIV version. It says this, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So there's this combination of like, like I want to do good, but inside... There's this evil thing, you know, this sinful nature is what the Bible calls it. This flesh that's inside of me that's, that's just, I want to do good. That's my heart. I have good intentions. And many times that's how we want God to look at us. God, look at my intentions. Don't look at my actions. Look at my intentions, God. Don't look at my thoughts. Look at my intentions. Don't look at my decisions. Look at my intentions. Don't look at my habits. We do that many times. T.D. Jake said it like this. He said, there's a certain amount of conflict that brings legitimacy to your faith. 
Sometimes I think God just allows us to go through things because I, I think as we go up and down this ladder and in our relationship with God, I, I think when we start going and, and, and when we fall or fail and we do something like, man, I shouldn't have done that, we have a decision to make. Am I going to get back on? Am I going to keep going? I think there's a decision we have to make. And I think one of the ways we keep going and we, is we learn from the decisions we made. We learn, oh, you know what? When, when I was in that situation, with, when I was hanging out, when I was running with those friends, when it was that time of day, when it was that time of night, when I was alone, when I was tired, this is what happened. So I'm going to learn from my mistakes and I'm going to learn to walk with God. See, that's a good thing. You're learning from that. But sometimes, you know what God's doing? He's just waiting for you to hate sin as much as he hates it. And the truth is, many times we don't grow because there's a part of us that just enjoys it. Truth, right? There's a part of us that just finds pleasure. And that pleasure woos us and pulls us and was like, I want it out of my house, but I'm going to leave it under my bed. <laughs> I want it out of my house, but I'm going to keep it inside. You know, I, I'm, I want it out, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to uninstall it. <sighs> I'm going to keep it. Jesus said it like this. The disciples just finished the last supper and, and, uh, and Jesus had gone out to the Mount of Olives and, and Simon Peter famously says, I'm never going to fail you. And then Jesus says this, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Let's read this out loud, guys. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here Jesus talks about the spirit and the flesh. It's like that old picture of, you know, I got the angel and I got the devil and this kind of thing. But here Jesus is talking about this combination, the spirit and the flesh, there, it's like a UFC battle. If you want to walk with God, and if you want to please God, if you have a desire to grow in your relationship with God, you're going to discover this internal fight, because it's real. Struggle, this internal fight, struggle is a part of life. It's a part of life. So let me prove it to you guys, because we all have our struggles. Um, why don't you just pull out your cell phone and pass your cell phone to the right and let that person look at all of your feeds. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, some of you are like, <laughs> some of you knew I was going to do this, so you redid your algorithms. <laughs> but you know what? If we looked at your feeds, you know what we'd see? We'd see what's on your mind. Some of you, you just love looking at trucks, or you love looking at cats, you love looking at dogs, you love looking at renovations, you love looking at interior design, you love looking at, I don't know, whatever. Uh, um, if you look at mine, you'll see Deion Sanders and the CU Buffs all over it right now, and you'll see whatever it is. But others of you, you know what? You might see something else. You might see hot babes, right? You might see things like that. You might see guys that have hard rock bodies. You might see that. You might see, you know what I'm talking about? You might see the, these jokes or bloopers or whatever it is. But, you know, when it's, it's, our, it's what we're feeding our mind with, isn't it? 
It's what we're feeding our mind with. Here's the good news. You can't just stay in Romans chapter 7, and I encourage you to read all of Romans chapter 7. You got to flip the page, and you got to go to Romans chapter 8, because chapter 7 really talks about, you know, Paul the Apostle's like, oh, what a wretched guy I am. I'm trying to live the right life, and I can't live it. I wish I could, and I'm just messed up, and it's the sin inside of me that's doing it. It's the kind of thing. The devil's making me do it. Chapter 8's different. Most people don't turn to chapter 8. Chapter 8, Paul starts off by saying this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That word condemnation is a legal term. It means to give judgment against, to pass sentence upon, or to condemn. And I think it's so beautiful that Paul talks about this inward struggle that he has and his desire to do the right things and he does the things that he hates. And he starts off in chapter eight, verse one, and he says, you know what? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying. There's this assurance of salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. God sees us and he knows us. He knows us, and his love is so great. He forgives. His grace is greater. His mercy is greater. And there's not anything that you have done that is greater than the grace of God. There's no mess that you've made that is too great for the mercy of God. There's no sin that you have committed that is greater than the forgiveness of God. Some of you need to hear this. God has forgiven you. God forgives you. Embrace God's love. He's a God who heals. He's a God who restores. There's a crazy thing that happens when you experience the forgiveness of God. Something inside of you, you know what happens? You have this, this, like this fuel and you're like, okay, I'm going to try harder now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and that's one of the examples, incidentally, that the whole fighting thing, one of the ways you see it is when you rely on yourself. When you rely on your own willpower, that's when you discover the fight. And Paul starts off by saying, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And then verse two, check it out. It's so cool. Um, well, I got to say this, and let, let me just say this. I want someone to hear this. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Turn to the person next to you and tell them again, stay in the fight. Don't walk away. The fact that you're a church is evidence that you have a hope. The fact that you're a church, the fact that you're watching online is evidence that you desire God. So praise the Lord. Way to go. You're farther along than you think. There's hope. You keep walking with God. You keep trusting God. You learn from God. You, you lean on his word and hide his word in his heart and you obey him. God will see you, three, see you through. You're learning about yourself. Don't give up on the fight. Don't give up. And verse two, here it comes. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So now verse two, here it is. He talks about the spirit. And if you look at the rest of chapter eight, I was counting and I got up to like 17 times that chapter eight talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit over, all over chapter eight. All over. And Paul says, he says, he says, because you belong to him, because you belong to him, you have the assurance of that salvation, right? There's no condemnation, glory to God. But the power of the life-giving spirit has, what? Has 
freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. It has freed you from what? From the power of sin that leads to death. It has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So because of Jesus, because of the blood on the cross, there's no condemnation. Glory to God. And because of the Holy Spirit, we can have new power living inside of us. Even power over sin. Let me say it like this. Romans 8.1 tells us we're free from the guilt of sin. And verse 2 says we're free from the power of sin. Isn't that beautiful? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to, you know, I praise the Lord because you know what? If I had to, if I had to just live like this and there was no power to do right, it would just be, it would be spiritual hell, guys, wouldn't it? Spiritual stress. It would be spiritual stress, like trying to do this thing and just going up and down my whole life and trying to do this and just aware of how short my shortcomings and my failings, it would be horrible. But God is so good. He's like, you know what? You have the blood of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit as well. And now the whole power of the Holy Spirit is greater than the power of even sin. Glory to God. It's even greater than the power of that sinful nature. It's even greater. Verse five, I'm gonna read the New International Version. It says it like this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So now he's talking about, here, here we're getting down to, 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 the, to, the, to the grassroots. This is how you work through it. This is how you live a life full of the Holy Spirit, and you get victory so that you can keep going and, 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 and you learn from, this is, how, this is how it does. Paul the Apostle says it. Here it is. It has to do with what you, what you think. And he says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. That word flesh, in the original Greek language, it's sarks, and it means the unregenerate state of man. There's many definitions for flesh in the Bible. In this case, it's talking about the unregenerate state of man. And, and, so, and, and if you look to Galatians chapter 5, there's fruits of this flesh. Because you might be thinking, well, what is this flesh talking about? Sexual immorality? Impurity? Lustful pleasures? Idolatry? Worshiping the wrong things? Sorcery? Going to the wrong people and places to look for answers? Hostility, arguing, quarreling, fighting, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Anger's not bad. There's a righteous anger, but outbursts of anger is a different thing. Selfish ambition, pride, pride, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. That's what Galatians 5 talks about. That's the flesh. And he says, if you live according to the flesh... Your minds will be set on what the flesh desires. What the flesh desires. See, it's that evil part of humans inherited from Adam. I, I, uh, you know the story about the scorpion and the frog? You heard that story? 
Wait, it's a, it's a, I don't know how popular it is, but um, there's a scorpion that wanted to uh, cross a river, and the scorpion can't, can't swim. So he's trying to figure out how to cross the river, and he found a frog, and, and he said, hey, can I ride on your back to cross this river? And the frog said, I don't want you to jump on my back. You know, you're going to sting me. And he says, no, 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 I'm not going to sting you. So he jumps on the, the frog eventually says, all right, all right, jump on my back. And they start swimming across the river, and halfway across the river, that darn scorpion stung the frog. And the frog said, why did you sting me? And the scorpion said, it's just in my nature. It's just in my nature. See, that's the sinful nature. <laughs> and that's what you learned, that that's just in my nature. I know I shouldn't lie. I know I shouldn't look. I know I shouldn't think. And I know I shouldn't do. And I know I shouldn't say. And I know my attitude should be different. And I know it. But it's that scorpion inside of you. <laughs> it's that sinful nature that just does it. And it just, it's just natural. These people have their minds set on the flesh. So the big question is, what are you setting your mind on? Like, where are you placing your mind? If you place your mind on things that will gratify the flesh, your sinful nature, guess what's going to happen? You're going to meditate on those things. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So it comes down to um, you have to learn how to think. You have to learn how to think. And if you really want to grow in your relationship with God, if you really want to be a better person in 2023, if you really just want to, you know, you want to be a better husband, a better wife, a better friend, a better man, a better woman, whatever, then you have to learn how to think. You have to be picky about what you allow in your head. What are you going to meditate on? Are you going to think critical thoughts? What are you going to daydream about? Have you ever driven in your car and you start daydreaming about something and you're like, what in the world am I thinking about? What are you going to allow to sit in your head and swim around in your head? And what are you going to worry about? What are you going to allow to create anxiety? A big part of our spiritual growth is managing your thought life. Uh, T.W. Hunt said this, Satan knows that if he can get our attention for five seconds, he may have our mind for five minutes. You know what I'm talking about? And much of it is, I mean, people who grow and, 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 and learn to live by the spirit and not by the flesh, they become really good about recognizing what's a distraction, recognizing what's pulling them away that they don't want to go, recognizing this is a lie and this is a truth, recognizing what's productive and, and what's, what's destructive. They become really good at managing their thoughts. And it's so important to do that because we, all, we can't read minds, right? You got to be careful. You can be at church and you can be at a different place in your head. You can be at home and be at a different place in your head. You can be in your bedroom and be at a different place in your head. So what you think about matters. It's not harmless. It doesn't hurt anyone. You, know, you have all these reasonings for why, oh, this is, I'm just daydreaming about it. I'm fantasizing about it. It's no big deal. It is a big deal because eventually it creeps into your heart and eventually you'll act out. Eventually people will see what's going on in your mind. And Jesus talked about that. He said, if you're a, if you're a bad tree, you produce bad fruit. If you're a good tree, you produce good fruit. 
It's about what's happening where nobody can see. Verse 7, Paul says this, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. If your sinful nature controls your thoughts, then you can't please God. God wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you. And he wants you to live out this life that he has for you. You're always going to have a battle, internal battles. You're always going to have a fight. But he wants you to live it out. Now, if you come from a charismatic background, Paul's not talking about speaking in tongues. That's not what he's talking about. I know people who speak in tongues who can't control their tongue. (laughs) That's not what he's talking about. The true mark is someone who is filled with the Spirit and the way they live is distinctly different from others because they think differently. They live differently. Isn't it cool when you run across someone who's authentic? It's really confusing when you hear someone say, I'm a Christian or I go to church, but you see the way they are at work and you hear all the words that come out of their mouth or you see they're having this relationship with someone and you're like, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right at all. Spirit-driven people think differently. Their natural disposition of what used to be normal has been replaced with a new holy disposition that drives their life. That is just so good what I dropped on you guys right there. I'm just telling you. You know, the the people who are driven by the Holy Spirit, they're like, you know what? Um, I have a new norm. I have a new north. And I used to be okay with this, but now I'm not okay with it. They have a genuine disdain about it. It's no longer their, their center point. It's no longer their zero And they used to be okay with being that person, but now because of the Holy Spirit, they don't want to be that person anymore. And they're not going to live with that anymore. And that's the beginning of transformation. That's the beginning of someone who just wants to grow in their walk with God. Their thinking is different. Their lives are different. Paul goes on to say this in verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you so that, so, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's craziness. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from being dead for three days, now lives inside of you. Wow. The power of the resurrection living inside of you. That's a whole Easter message right there. It's a whole Easter message. And just as God raised Jesus, Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And check out verse 12. Verse 12 is like the mic drop verse right here. Therefore, Let's read it out loud, guys. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Wow. You know what God's saying right here in Romans chapter 8? You have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. See, before the Holy Spirit, there was frustration and spiritual stress. You're, uh, you're like a, a fainted, 
saint, an exhausted warrior. But now God gives us his Holy Spirit and Jesus, that's, that's our helper. Jesus sends us, now because of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is greater, so now we have a choice. And that's the ultimate expression of our desire for God. Parents, isn't it cool when your kids want to be with you? Isn't that a good thing? You don't have to force them and twist their arm. Isn't it cool? Those of you who are in a relationship, isn't it cool when, you're, when your man or your woman want to be with you? God wants you to want to be with him. God wants you to choose voluntarily, willfully, your own decision. I just want more God. Really, Romans chapter 8, are for, it's for like God chasers. That's Romans chapter 8. Are you a God chaser? Like, I just want more of God in my life and I'm learning about myself and I'm learning about my weakness and I'm learning about my struggles and I'm recognizing my flaws that I didn't know were there, but God, I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. And when I fall, I'm not gonna let that fall determine my destiny. Glory to God. When I fail, I'm not gonna stay on the ground. I'm gonna keep chasing after God. I gotta go to uh, Galatians chapter five. Paul the Apostle says it like this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. That's how you do it. Some of you, you're trying to live out a righteous life without the Holy Spirit. That's hard. That's all willpower. That's all willpower. I'm trying to be a good person, and you're just relying on yourself. The best thing you can do is say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I need your Holy Spirit because I can't live out this life that you're calling me to live unless I have a new power inside of me. Because when you don't have that new power, you just feel like it's gravity. Like every, you just keep going back to the person you don't want to be and it's just hard and it's a struggle and you're frustrated and you want to give up and all those things. But some of you need to say, your first thing is saying, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. And the second big thing is, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and teach you and coach you and direct you and convict you and do all of those things. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for you to live above the power of sin, but it doesn't mean you won't have occasional battles. It doesn't mean you won't have, I just jumped right there. So yeah, it doesn't mean, so it'll, you'll, you'll be able to live above that power of sin, and you're, but it doesn't mean you're not going to have internal fights, guys long as we're on this side of heaven. As long as we're on this side of heaven. There's some verses I want to share with you guys that are just really been meaningful. I'm going to share some pearls with you. The Lord showed me Psalm chapter 37. It says this, uh, verse 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Isn't that good? He delights in every detail of their lives. Someone who wants to walk with God I mean, God, just, you're just like music to God's ears. And then it says this, though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Isn't that good? It's like God is so loving and caring. Though you stumble, God still got you. That's a loving father. And you're learning to walk with God. Praise the Lord. 
His love is so great for you. It's so beautiful. And I love it the, the way the NASB says that the New American Standard Bible says like this, when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds its hand. Isn't that beautiful? He won't be hurled headlong. In other words, it's not going to be fatal. It's not going to be fatal. And falling and stumbling and learning and struggle and working and, and learning and going, going, going to, you know, doing this number and then coming back down. That's normal. That's normal. And you learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. But, but don't live in Romans chapter 7. Don't excuse yourself away and say, you know what, I'm this guy and it's just, the, it's not me. God knows my heart and I'm just going to keep that. You know what, you haven't, you haven't turned the page. You got to land in Romans chapter 8. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Micah chapter 7 verse 8 is maybe one of my favorite verses in Micah. Go ahead and put it up there, brother. It says this, um, it says, do not rejoice over me, enemy of mine. Though I fall, I will what? I will rise. Though I live in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. Isn't that good? Though I fall, I will rise. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I fall, I will rise. And some of you need to just hold on to that. I'm going to fall, but I'm going to rise. I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to keep walking with God. I'm going to keep pursuing God. I'm going to keep living for God. And though I fall, I will rise. I'm not going to stay down. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Anybody feel that but me? You know what I'm talking about? There has to be something inside of you that says, I want God more. I want God more. And you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Not your own feelings either. Because your own feelings can betray you. You got to rely on the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God to climb this ladder. You need the Spirit of God to be that husband. You need the Spirit of God to be that woman. You need the Spirit of God to be that person. If you don't have the Spirit of God, it's just spiritual stress that you live with. And you know how you should and you're not. You need the Spirit of God. I will rise. That phrase just, and if you look at my Bible, there's a date on there and it's all under the line because I like, though I, I fall, I will rise. Even when I fall in darkness, I will rise. I'm not gonna, ooh, I'm not gonna stay there. I'm gonna keep walking with God. I'm gonna keep trusting God. I want more of his spirit. And some of you, you try to be kind or you try to do the right thing and you're doing it without the spirit. If you wanna be all those things, you just need more of the Holy Spirit. That's where it starts right there. So you surrendering yourself to God. Surrendering yourself, surrendering your life to God, surrendering your life to Jesus and saying, God, I want to live for you. And, and, and Holy Spirit, lead me in every part of my life. Every part of my life. Lead me. Holy Spirit, have your way in every room of my house. Have your way in every room of my heart, every corner, every crevice. Holy Spirit, every part of my life, that addiction, lead me there to free me. You know what God wants to do with some of you? He wants to break some holds today in the name of Jesus. He wants to break some. The Holy Spirit breaks bondages and breaks holes and breaks all those things that have been holding you down. And some of you need to hear this. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are set free right now. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, you are set free right now. You don't have to live like that anymore. Let God's Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection, live inside of you. I think I'm done, guys. I feel like I've given you what the Lord is willing to give you. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to give you an opportunity. Um, for some of you, your first step is to receive Jesus. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's been a long time since you've said that prayer. or Maybe you never said that prayer. Maybe you used to go to church and you stopped going to church. Whatever it is right now, if you've sensed a stirring inside of your heart, that's God's just working in your heart. So some of you need to receive Jesus. Others of you, you become really comfortable with that mess. You become really comfortable with who you are. You know what I'm talking about? And at times you have felt defeated. And you know what? You've been living like that for so long, it's not even a point to prayer anymore for you. Today is a new day. God wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of you. God wants to cleanse your heart. God wants to empower you with his Holy Spirit so that you can live a life, a powerful, spirit-driven life. You guys game for this? Let me pray with you. Let's pray together. If you're ready to receive Jesus, say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. And right now, I choose to become a Christian. I just want to live life for you. And I want, I want you to be behind the steering wheel of my life. And I want to trust you with my life. So I give you my past and present and future. And I want to become a Christian right now. So forgive me for my sins and I live for you. Others of you, maybe you got a mess. Maybe you know the spiritual stress and, and you're just tired. And maybe you've been trying to do it all on your own willpower. Maybe you need to say this, God, I need you to put your Holy Spirit inside of me. I can't rely on myself anymore. I can't lean on my own willpower anymore. I want to be driven by your Holy Spirit. So I ask for your Holy Spirit to cleanse me, sanctify me, set me apart. Give me new desires that I didn't have. Give me a new heart, a new power over the things that I used to stumble on. And right now, I choose to rise. Though I fall, I will get up. And thank you for holding me by my hand. Thank you, God, for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.